Hey, sorry about that. I was just finishing a recording with another lady, and so I got I got held up there. Sorry about that. I remember when I was in the infantry, because I, I started back in the infantry way back when I was 19. So I'm 48 now, so that, just to give you an idea. And uh, I love being in the infantry. It was a lot of fun. You know, a 19-year-old kid full of vinegar thinking I knew everything. So I got to shoot a bunch of rifles and guns and throw hand grenades. We did a bunch of CBRN <laughs> stuff as well. And I, you know, I, I remember when they put us through the gas hut with the tear gas, that wasn't too bad. And I, but you know, it's like the little Coleman stove and they had the two little, three little pellets. You could yeah. barely see the smoke in the hut. And so even if when then you took your mask off, it stung a little tiny bit, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great, but you, you get the idea. Yeah. Um, and then it definitely get, cleared out allergies and all your stuff yeah, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I remember like a year or two later, we were out doing uh, some advanced to contact stuff out in the field. And and we had our, our gas mask and everything with us. Beautiful, very hot summer day. And uh, someone someone years earlier had actually set a tear gas a canister with on a tripwire and someone f- set off the thing and all of a sudden it blew right into us. And I'll tell you, I haven't experienced pain or, or vomiting. <laughs> like I did, like, like I did when that hit me. Cause, and, and it, it gave me a real idea of, you know, you better really know those drills. Cause when you actually have to put that mask on and you're panicking, yeah. it's, it's not the same thing as knowing you're going into a hut and you're, you're going over, you've practiced the drills. So that role was vital. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Definitely. I didn't have those days like that, but honestly, I wish I did. <laughs> well, I spend most of my time teaching classes and stuff. So, well, that um, stuff is vital. Yeah, it's vital. So, but um, but all right. Um, I see you wanted to talk about um, community building and the importance of communities, communities for teams, specifically how team leaders can build communities and recognize how and when teams are or aren't effective. Um, yeah. But how can a team leader recognize when their team is not operating effectively? Well, so there's a lot of different actions. There's a lot of physical cues that are happening. Quite often, if if the leader gets up in charge of a group and they're saying, okay, we're going to go do this, if everyone's shoulders slumps or they kind of look at the ground, then you know that there's a problem. Like you, it's, it's physical cues or when you're speaking with, speaking with someone and like, Hey, how's it going today? Like, are you having a good time? And they just, yeah, everything's fine. And then walk away or they kind of slough you off. That's an obvious clue that there is something wrong. And more often than not, there's some type of challenge inside the team, which in turn means there's something inside the community. Um, And I I guess it's, I'd like to start by saying that I, I view community different than teams. The team is the actual collection of people at the tactical level to go and achieve whatever the goal might be. The community is the sense of the team and the organization as a whole to come together to achieve whatever that might need to be. So the community is kind of here and then the teams fall underneath that because you can have multiple teams inside that community. Okay, that makes sense. Um, But what are some ways that a leader can you know, address that effectiveness within the teams. So I guess one of the ways they can address that is by recognizing what's going well and what's not going well. And a lot of times, especially for emerging leaders, that is about being honest with ourselves. Am I the problem? I don't know. And if that, and if the person, the leader is the problem, that's okay. It's about figuring out where the problem exists and how to go forward. It's not about finger pointing. It's about knowing where the challenges lie. And then once we know what the actual problem is or the challenge is, 
then we can fix it. But if we don't know what's going on, how can we fix anything? Does motivation play a big part in that as well? It does, but I like to use the term authentic motivation. How many authentic. times have you had a leader? How many times have you had a leader that uh, said, okay, we need to do this. It's going to suck, but we got to get at it. You, yeah. You've probably heard that I've a number it, of times, yeah. <laughs> right? A lot. It, exactly. And, and sometimes it, it's an authentic way of saying, hey, hey guys, hey, hey folks, I get it. This, this sucks and there's just no way around it, but we're in it together. We'll get through it. We'll move on to the next thing as best we can. We've also had that exact same speech from a leader who got up and said, hey, this sucks, but whatever. I got to get, I have things to do. You guys go figure it out. Like there are, it's the exact same words, two very, very different messages about how the community and the team is perceived. And so it's a, in, from the perspective of the leader, it's their responsibility to be honest with themselves. Okay, do I even want to be in charge? Because if I don't, then what do we do with that? How do we figure that out? And if we recognize the leader is recognizing that there are challenges, it, how, how can we figure that out? And the way they're able to do that is to actively listen to what's being said to them. Not even just the words, but the whole perspective of everything that's going on in a group. It, it, there are so many different facets to that. It, it's it's fascinating to me. <laughs> what are some ways that you think, um, or team building activities that you think would be best to overall improve that effectiveness? So I guess my, uh, so Simon, if, if you had asked me that question, Shay, if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have said, well, this is what I think needs to be done. But you're asking me that now in 2023. And my response would be, or is rather, ask the group, what do they want? Because I know what I want. If I had it my way, I have my private pilot's license. So if I had it my way, we would all hop in an airplane and they'd let me fly a jet. That would be great for my morale, <laughs> but that might not be the case for people who don't like flying airplanes and that's okay. So the big thing to do is when we recognize we need to start building these team together, finding ways to collect them together, ask people. And, and, and a lot of times it's not even about going specifically and physically asking the person because you're probably not going to get the real answer, especially if there's a significant problem. So set out and send out a, an anonymous survey. See what's going to happen. We don't know where it's coming from. I don't care where the information comes from. All that matters is that we're getting that authentic information and then go from there, right? It's it's really about getting the information from people, not dictating what something's going to be. Um, when I was in the infantry, we were at the end of a big exercise and the battalion uh, was doing something and we were finished. It was all great. And they came out and said, okay, we're going to have two beers and we're going to have a steak. Great. But I had been in the field for a month and a half. And they said, yeah. we're doing this because we recognize everyone's been working hard and yada, yada, yada. Fantastic. But I've been in the field for a month and a half. I've had a whopping two showers in that 40 days. And all I want to do is go home and get clean and get drunk. I was, I was 20 years old. Give me a break. Right. right? You know what I mean? And I, and, and the only thing that was holding me up from that was these two beers. I had to have that steak and mandatory fun. No one asked me what I thought now. It all has to be relative too. We're talking about a thousand people and the intention was really well-minded, but that's what wasn't what anyone was saying. We were all saying the same thing. Let me go home. Let me go see my family, see my kids, my husband, my wife, whatever. And that wasn't, it was another two hours of sitting and waiting when everything was done. So it's having those conversations. Yeah, I get that. Um, I've worked with a company before that they would throw like little, um, cookouts and stuff like that for their for their employees i get that but some of the employees also see money as like a, a better alternative the things because people have those financial situations and they just like just give them the money i don't care yeah. about the food or anything yeah but, absolutely <laughs> well uh, yeah 
But okay, but that's that's really good. Um, about the whole community building thing, I'm glad we touched on that because a lot of people don't understand what that is, and I'm glad you broke it down and gave like a an understanding of the difference between a community and the teams within it. Because you can see from a person like me, you can see the company as like um. Let's let's say we see it as a car, and then it teams is that each individual person inside the car. That's how I mm -hmm. see it. Um, yeah, but that's good. Thank you for that. Oh no. But, um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say uh, the the big thing with this. I mean, in most large organizations, they have vision statements and they have mission statements and all this different stuff that talks about how we're gonna work together and be the most productive ever and as a happy team community and we're gonna do it all. It's gonna be great. We're gonna be a family. Families fight. <laughs> every family fights and more often than not it doesn't work out well yeah. community is is its essence is based on on emotional connections with everyone else but not at a point where people are going to get in arguments and if they do that's okay we figure it out because we've created a safe space where people can get together and feel free to speak their minds without fear of retribution which is tough to do but it can be done yeah okay and i'm glad you talked about that too a safe space um a lot of i want to say maybe a lot of organizations don't have that safe space right so um how would you go about incorporating that safe space into let's say a company that wants to introduce it but don't know how to i think i think the i have a couple of different ones the first one i would be talking if i'm speaking to the leadership the first thing i would tell them is to check their assumptions just because they're in charge doesn't mean they understand what's going on. They probably have an idea. We all have ideas and opinions and that's okay. But the trick is to be figure out what exactly that is and try to take our biases and our opinions out of it because our role as leaders is to figure out what exactly is happening and why and how to, how to move forward from that. So that would be the first one. And then the other piece of advice I would give leaders is to understand that culture changes don't happen quickly. It takes a nanosecond to destroy something, but to fix something like culture, to recreate trust in a way that it's it's viewed as authentic and genuine takes time. And it takes repetition of showing people that the leadership is genuinely, authentically invested in creating that culture change. Creating a new vision statement is not going to do it. It's a good, it's a step in there, but you have to back that shit up. Let's talk about your trench leadership, a podcast from the front. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so give us a little overview of that and how long you've been running it and how, yeah. or where did the idea of you starting that podcast come from? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go back to the beginning. Like I said, I was in the military and I was doing quite well. I was, when I was in the regular force, I'm in the reserves now, so it's like part-time stuff. Um, but so when I was in the regular force in the Air Force, I retired as a master warrant officer, which is the second highest rank you can achieve for the non-commissioned members. And I was in succession planning. I was doing all the right things. I was very close to getting promoted to chief warrant officer. And that was all fine and dandy. But in 2019, I started a master of arts in leadership. And what I discovered was inside the cohort, I was the only military member. And now after 21 years in the military, sorry, 24 years in the military, I realized that there was a whole other world that existed that I had no idea about. Because like most people, when we start our careers, we kind of exist inside our career bubbles where we hang out with the same people, we do the different things. And that's okay. But after a whole bunch of years of that, you kind of get institutionalized for those types of things. And now all of a sudden I was being shown that there was these whole other environments out there that I wanted exposure to. 
And it also helped me see that a lot of the passions I was I had joined the military for simply weren't there anymore for a bunch of reasons. It doesn't matter. So I decided that it might be time to go and do something else. And so I ended up retiring from the military and I joined a company, a civilian company called Callion as a contract manager so that I could have the bills. Uh, I had to make money to, to pay for things. And so I, that paid the bills and they're a great company to work for. But that allowed me to go do things like get my pilot's license again, ride my motorcycle more, run terribly, um, start my podcast. And how Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front came about was when I was going through the master's program, there was all these new theories and and ideas getting thrown at me. And I kept thinking to myself, gee, I sure wish I'd heard about systems thinking when I was a brand new master corporal in the Canadian military. Master corporal is our first formal leadership position for the non-commissioned members. Now, I'm not suggesting I needed graduate level understanding of these things when I'm a brand new leader of three to five people. But I certainly knowing that these things mattered or that these things existed as I progressed through the rank structure really mattered because as a master warrant officer, my job is to advise and instruct at the institutional level. And I'm supposed to be advising commanders, colonels, generals on all things military. But if I'm not speaking that same language as these people who all have master's degrees, that's a challenge. So there was that. I started realizing there was a gap there. At the same time that I was doing that, I was getting near the end of my master's degree and I kept thinking to myself, gee, I sure wonder what I'm going to do with all this information I've stuffed into my head for two years. What am I going to do with this? And at the same time that thought was coming up, uh, it came time to do the thesis paper and do the project. So I said to myself, well, sure, I sure would. Maybe, maybe I'll do a three-part podcast miniseries about my research project just to see if I could make something sound moderately professional because I have no background in that. It turned out well. And then I said, well, this can be the thing that I can use to use my infer this newly acquired information. Because as I was going through all of these different things, I also happened to be starting to listen to leadership podcasts. And my experiences, my the podcasts that I listened to anyways, I noticed that they tended to break down into three different categories. And the first one was super duper niche. So people that are where green shirts have black rim glasses have way too much gray hair on the sides of the head and have a fake stone wall in the background specifically to those people super niche <laughs> right and, and then the other one was tended to be uh faith-based groups and again i'm i cannot stress enough i'm not judging it was my perception on this and a lot of the um uh the advice came from based off of the the individual's faith which is like okay it was totally valid for what was happening and then the other group I found was a lot of CTOs, CEOs, CFOs, C-suite people saying, if you want to be in charge of 10,000 people, then do it, follow my career and do what I did for 40 years. My, my problem with that was <laughs> that you're now probably in your mid sixties generally, right? And, and the advice you had when you were a new leader 40 years ago is not what's needed now. Things have changed. Right. And so what I found was there was very little information to speak to those new leaders that are brand new to those roles. Because if you remember in the very, in the beginning of this very long rant, and I do apologize, oh, good. You're <laughs> if fine. you're okay, if you remember, I said, gee, I sure wish I'd heard about systems thinking back when I was a new leader, I kept coming back to that point. And that's ultimately what the whole point of trench leadership is, is to provide a place where new leaders or new team leaders can get that information and hear about systems thinking. They can hear about communities or how to be the different styles of leadership that exist out there. And that's that's what I've been doing. And I started the podcast a little over two years ago. I just released episode 85. 
I'm number seven in Canada. I consistently sit inside the top 200 in the United States and I'm number 12 in Ireland for some reason, but okay. (laughs) You know, what what is good as those are um, steps into, you know, being more global. That's, that's the hope. I I just interviewed a lady today in Thailand. So thank you, Simon. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, I definitely will be in touch again. So we can do this again sometime. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed this. No problem. You have a good one, Simon. Take Take care, care. buddy.